Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Listening to Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now, here are your hosts Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello everybody and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 523 of the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. This is Linux in the Hamshack and this is our short topics episode. And we're going to just go ahead and roll right on into it because we're already late by a couple of days here. And even though I said that Cheryl would be back with us by today, that's not going to happen. So W5MOO is, is AWOL once again. We're hoping not by the next recording, but the one after. So 525 is when we hope to have Cheryl back on the show. But in the meantime, we'll introduce the two of us that are here. I'm Russ, K5TUX. And I'm Bill, NE4RD. All right. So let's go ahead and get on with this because it's almost Thanksgiving in the United States. Like we're, we're mere hours from Thanksgiving. So <laughs> so the day of turkey and foot, or turducken and football, I guess it's not, not turkey anymore. No one actually just does turkey, right? It's all, it's either ham or turducken or sushi. Or, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. or ribeye, right? Or, or ribeye or yeah. like uh, taquitos or something like that. I mean, it's... It, <laughs> It's evolving, like, uh, you know, humanity. Exactly. So let's go ahead and do some of the stuff that we normally do. We're not going to change it up for tonight, I don't think. So we'll dive into our amateur radio topics for tonight. And the first one says, and I've been hearing this all over the place, FCC removes symbol rate restriction. So today we, let's see, who, who did this? Oh, the FCC. So this coming directly from the FCC and being read in the perspective of the FCC. Today, we remove this outdated restriction to allow the amateur radio community to operate more efficiently, including a support of emergency situations when appropriate. In place of the baud rate, we set a bandwidth limitation of 2.8 kilohertz in these amateur bands, consistent with our treatment of other wireless radio services, which also have service-specific bandwidth limitations. This bandwidth limitation will promote continued sharing in these amateur bands. We believe that these rule changes will provide amateur service licensees the flexibility to use modern digital emissions. emissions, (laughs) emissions, <laughs> uh, thereby better fulfilling the purposes of the amateur radio service to promote innovation and experimentation, except where we don't have 2.8 kilohertz of bandwidth. <laughs> and there are bands. Yeah, slight um, detail. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we take no further actions on other issues pending in the docket at this time. In the FNPRM FUNPERM, we promote propose, promose, that's a new word, propose to remove the baud rate limitation in the 2200 meter band and 630 meter band, which the commission allocated for amateur radio use after it released the NPRM in 2016, and in the very high frequency VHF bands and the ultra high frequency, you guessed it, UHF bands. Additionally, we seek comment on the appropriate bandwidth limitation for the 2200 meter band, the 630 meter band, and the woof and oof bands. (laughs) So, um, 
Yeah. Let's see. This was adopted on November 13th, just mere days ago. Well, like what, a week ago? Uh, yeah. But not effective until... But not effective until effective. 30 days right. after publication in the Federal Register. <laughs> That's uh, me just randomly typing stuff. Right. <laughs> the Federal Register status is unpublished at this time. And, of course, that, as I said before, came from the FCC. A link to the story itself will be in the show notes, of course. So that's uh, interesting. Uh, uh, so all of these devices that we have that operated either 1200 or 9600 baud, not really a thing anymore, as long as it fits inside of 2.8 kilohertz. Yeah, as soon as uh, you know, as soon as it's official and has been published, and it's 30 days after it's been published in the Federal Register. So I, j- I just checked it as of the recording of the podcast here, and no, it's still not in there. <laughs> so <laughs> they'll get their sweet time. Normally, it takes uh, you know, it can take up to you know 60 days for them to actually publish it. So um, we still could be looking after the first of the year uh, for true adoption and legality of. Of this this particular ruling. All right, and to jump back real quick, Tony says he's going to sous vide a five pound duck. So there, <laughs> so he's going to get one of those yard ducks or something like that. What's that? <laughs> he's going to get one of those yard ducks, uh, Muscovy ducks or whatever they got there. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? He'll probably tell us so. So. Um, Tony may be the uh, the the one person in the universe who has made sous vide like the only way he makes anything because <laughs> anytime he talks about food, that's what he's doing. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So back to amateur radio. So if you can, if Tony, if you want to tie uh, amateur radio and sous vide together somehow, uh, let us know and we'll do a story on it. So. All right. Uh, so what do we got, Bill? Uh, WRC is, is like happening. Yeah. The WRC 23 is in progress. The uh, World Radio Conference opened on Monday, November 20th. And over the next four weeks, a variety of agenda items will be considered, of which the 23 centimeter band is a high priority a- uh, item for amateur radio. Um, maybe not specifically us, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so here's the agenda so far. They have uh, uh, agenda item number 1.2 is the mobile broadband IMT in the microwave bands uh, in accordance with resolution 245. So you probably... Uh these resolution numbers are semi-important. They have a lot of writing on them. So <laughs> definitely check out the show notes on these uh, for uh, additional context. Uh, agenda item 1.6 is a suborbital uh, orbital vehicles in accordance with uh, resolution 772. Uh, uh, agenda item 1.12 is the Earth Exploration Satellite Service, the EESS, or the ES. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, right. Uh, uh, active radar sounders around 45 megahertz in accordance with resolution 656, which I believe they talked about today. <laughs> if I saw their notes, uh, maybe, 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 maybe. Was that what they were talking about today? Uh, they talked about 12, 14, and 10 today. So anyway, uh, 14 is the uh, S service again, the uh, Earth Exploration Satellite Service on uh, 23.5. 20, 20, 231.5 to 252 gigahertz uh, in accordance with resolution 662. Uh, 1.18 is the mobile satellite service data collection, including uh, 3.3 to 3.4 gigahertz. Um, and let's see, 9.1a is space weather sensors. And 9.1b is measures to be applied in the frequency band 
1240 through 1300. There's your 23 centimeter band. Uh, to ensure protection of the radio navigation satellite service, the RNSS, in accordance with resolution 774. So this is the uh, Galileo project and stuff like that. Uh, and the agenda item number 10 is the future agenda for WRC 27. And if you guessed it, that's right. This is an every four year event. So <laughs> uh, they try to get as much stuff shoved into this one. Uh, which generally comes up as topics from previous ones, uh, WRC-19 being the previous one. <laughs> and let's see here, the, uh, uh, yeah, and preliminary items for WRC-31. So, yeah, they're planning way out there. In addition to a major item on the WRC-23 agenda is the AI 1.5, which uh, will review the UHF TV broadcasting and potential mobile use in the 470 to 960 megahertz. That's interesting. Anyway, so yeah, the latest and greatest you can always check out on the RSGB site. We have that linked here in the show notes. They have a daily progress update so you can see what they're doing on a daily basis, you know, going to Dave and Buster's and hitting the bars and stuff like that. No, no, they... They definitely have a a conference agenda, and it looks like a bit of an exhibition hall and everything else going on there. So uh, pretty interesting things are occurring at the WRC 23 and shaping the future of international amateur radio. So, uh, yeah, check out the check out those notes and uh, the continuing progress over the next four weeks. Yeah, long, long conference, but, uh, you know, it happens every four years. So, yeah, you got to cram it all in. And uh, to tie in sous vide duck and amateur radio, Tony says SSTV time lapse. To which I say, make it happen. <laughs> I'll, I'll watch. I'll watch your duck sous vide if you uh, actually put it out there. <laughs> yeah, so like a, a play by play on that. <laughs> exactly. I love watching boiling meat. Oh, oh wait. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's not quite a boil, right? It's a yeah, it's a warm, warm but not boil. It's a bath. Yeah, so we need uh, we need a you know a narrated YouTube video with uh, <laughs> after the uh, the SSTV broadcast. So. Yeah, I thought you were only supposed to make green tea with 150 degree water. That just doesn't seem right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know anything about sous vide other than the name. I've I have had it. So yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's an interesting thing. I have a friend that does the same thing. Everything they do is sous vide, and it's like okay. <laughs> oh, I mean, I know what it is, and I've seen it done. I just yeah. you know. <laughs> Okay, so next we're moving into the world of open source. And our first topic in the open source world is Canonical launches microcloud to deploy your own, quote, fully functional cloud in minutes, unquote. The latest software offering announced today by Canonical with an enterprise focus and their hopes of driving new Ubuntu Pro and support subscriptions is MicroCloud. The MicroCloud software aims to make it easy to deploy a private cloud that is, quote, fully functional cloud in minutes. A, quote, fully functional cloud in minutes. Unquote, atop Ubuntu Linux. MicroCloud builds atop their LXD container infrastructure tool, Ceph, at C-E-P-H, and OVN for building an open source private cloud-based solution. They are promoting their own private cloud deployments as being an easy or as easy as a snap command. You, <laughs> I thought you'd appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, my own private cloud. Uh, snap install microcloud LXD Microsoft Micro OVN. Yick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, microcloud builds upon these open source software components and aims to provide a highly available cluster friendly deployment in minutes. Via Snap provides automatic security updates, supports all the compatibilities of LXD, and is said to be easily replicated at scale. 
plus for Canonical's commercial focus, is promoting it with Ubuntu Pro and other commercial support subscriptions. The new microcloud page promotes this private cloud path as, quote, low-touch, efficient, and reliable, unquote. More details on microcloud via today's announcement. The microcloud code is hosted under an AGPL 3.0 license on GitHub. There, it stated microcloud requires at least three machines and currently scales up to 50 machines. Ooh, ah. You know, if they did it with flat packs, then it could be used on immutable systems. <laughs> I mean, snaps are the same thing. Come on. <laughs> I mean, more or less the same thing, but I couldn't get snap. Can you install us? I mean, did you try uh, a snap on like? Oh, no, I didn't try that yet. Yes. Yeah, I don't think that's a thing. Uh, so. Well, I'll have, to, I'll have to try that. That's that's uh, we'll get to that eventually. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 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 at like I'm rebuilding my shack area right now. So <laughs> I, I will have my uh, my fedora box up here shortly. Well, of course, you know, Fedora is not Ubuntu, so I don't oh, yeah. know if you want to try and run microcloud on Fedora. That that might get really dicey quick. <laughs> well, I like the uh, first article I used to link into this was actually from the register, and they had some interesting things to say about it. It was more of like an op-ed. <laughs> and since we already had a second story about in the from the register, I didn't want to seem like we were, you know, always using the register. So so I pushed this Veronix article in here, which seemed pretty like I'm going to repeat what was said in the press release. <laughs> Right. Well, I guess it's uh, a little more neutral then, so that's fine. Yeah. All right. So as Bill just said, that came from Foronix, and of course, the link will be in the show notes. Interesting, I guess more interesting to people who are of a more commercial bent um, might be something for, I guess you can do it, you know, personal. They say it's a personal cloud thing. So if that's, is that something you need? I mean, certainly you could try spinning it up if you've got, you know, three to 50 spare machines lying around. Um, yeah, but otherwise, uh, if you're into the enterprise cloud stuff, you know, maybe check that out. In the meantime, Bill's going to tell us something about, uh, another kind of icky topic. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to include, uh, some Microsoft, uh, .NET conference slash Microsoft Ignite stuff, because there was a lot of stuff coming, uh, out with that whole process, including an opinionated stack building system for, uh, for .NET <laughs> applications which kind of seems similar but like not necessarily the 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 cluster kind of thing uh, more of like uh just building out your application with all the components and stuff like that called .net aspire but I'll save you that and I'll talk about budgie instead so this is ubuntu budgie switches its approach to wayland so two things that probably upset people, Budgie and Wayland. Uh, while Elementary OS commits to Wayland, the development team of the Budgie desktop is changing course and will work with the XFCE developers towards Budgie's Wayland future. There's a general consensus now that the future of graphics, graphical desktops on Linux lies in Wayland rather than X11, but the path is still not a smooth and easy one. While in Latvia for the Ubuntu Summit, uh, the Reg... Foss Desk met, okay, the Reg Foss Desk, they have a Reg Foss Desk, interesting, uh, met with the developers behind Ubuntu Budgie, who told us that the Budgie project is charting a new course towards a brave new Awayland world. Uh, we have previously reported on the future direction that the Budgie team were planning to take. In January, we covered their plans to switch from using GNOME to Enlightenment. And in that story, we also noted that the X, that quote, XFCE is very mature, quite slow moving, and the project 
doesn't put out a new release very often, end quote. Then in July, we reported on the Budgie team's new enthusiasm for Wayland. We met with project lead Dave, uh, quote, Foss Freedom, unquote, Mohammed, and package guru, packaging guru Sam Elaine from the Ubuntu Budgie team in Riga. And they passed the news of a rift. There's a rift in the worst. Uh, and indeed, a possible divorce between Budgie and Enlightenment. And it's caused by Wayland. So there goes your Bodhi Linux. Not going to be having Budgie on there. <laughs> Isn't that your Enlightenment box? Uh, that is. Moksha, yeah. which is the Enlightenment box. <laughs> yeah. And this story did come from The Register. So <laughs> check that out in the show notes. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, we're just we're just quoting the register for this episode. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, the first one wasn't the register. Come on. Oh, no, 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 that's true. You got that one straight from the the FCC. Right. And that's one of those acronyms we can't say. We have to actually spell out. <laughs> well, we do have an explicit tag on this now. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> All right, it's not great. made for children. <laughs> so uh, I guess um, I'll see where this goes, this divorce between Budgie and Enlightenment, because like I said, I'm kind of kind of drinking the Enlightenment Kool-Aid right now. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, like, again, we talked about Budgie on the last episode because it was part of, uh, you know, builds that we tested. And, you know, we did note that it was kind of looking a little lackluster from the original Solus versions and the early uh, uh, Ubuntu Budgie versions that looked quite sexy. Um, at least with the, uh, the, the spit shine and polish that was on it. Uh, so I'm not sure like, yeah, what the state of it is. I haven't really been following it that, that strongly. And, you know, I'm, I'm fine with just Gnome myself. (laughs) It doesn't really matter. I do not need a start menu. I'm, I'm perfectly fine without one. Um, but yeah, yeah. Well, this yeah, I'm hoping to get to the point where I start using the i3 and the, the, the managers just so we can have a different perspective on what des- desktop environments can be at some point uh, instead of all the ones that sort of are variations on a theme. Whereas tiling window managers are really are, are truly different. So yeah. Well, I'll read this next one since you're still looking at your other thing. So it'll give you some time to uh, well, check on your build. Well, it's percent So oh. it's, well, yeah, I'll I guess we're not going to be talking about it. <laughs> no, I'll probably include it just briefly and say that this is supposedly a fix. And then I'm going to, I'll link to the, the thing. And then if it actually works, then uh, we'll talk about it next time. <laughs> so let's see where we are. Yes. GPU viewer version 2.32. Released. This project aims to capture all the important details of GLX info, Vulkan info, and CL info in a GUI. The project is being developed using Python 3 PyQ object with GTK4. All the important details are extracted using GLX info, Vulkan info, and CL info with a combination of grep, cat, awk commands, and displayed in the front end. There is no hard OpenGL programming involved until GLX info, Vulkan info, and CL info work with GP. In the change log, we can discuss what's happened in this version. Updated memory type selection in Vulkan to show only supported property flags. Updated queues section in Vulkan to show only supported queue flags. Fixed surface tab. What the hell is surface tab? For our latest version of Vulkan, these are all Vulkan changes. <laughs> Vulkan <laughs> tool to display VK. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. Layout correctly. Updated new logos for AMD Radeon and LLVM. Tested with Vulkan Tools version 1.3.269 and minor code fixes. So it's Vulkan. What is Vulkan? Vulkan's like uh, the Mesa. 
Mesa 3D stuff, or what used to be Mesa 3D. So that is... At least I think that's right. I mean, all the packages still say Mesa, right? I mean... I don't remember. I I don't even remember seeing Vulkan, like, in a package install. Oh, have you run, like, a a game from Steam lately? No. Like, uh, yeah, when I go into play, like, Phasmophobia and stuff like that in Linux, you know, it uses... It it compiles all the Vulkan shaders and everything else. So let's let's just do a quick thing, because we're stupid. Vulkan versus Mesa. (laughs) I should have researched this beforehand. All I really picked this up for is is to basically okay, so yeah, uh, to basically talk about the fact that there is a GUI front end that kind of shows all the stuff. I don't know if you've ever clicked or typed GLX info. Oh yes, it's, of course. It spits out so much unimportant crap. <laughs> In it, and you have to kind of scroll back up to figure out what the hell you were looking for, and then by the time you get through it all, you forgot what you were looking for in the first place. Um, and I just thought this looked like a little snazzy utility to kind of uh, digest all of that information and distill it down to things that are actually relevant to what you may be actually looking for. Uh, so that's that's primarily why I added it in here. So let's see. Where did I see? Oh, geez. No, I don't even see that. Sorry. Falcon, Falcon, GC. So Falcon drivers. Let's see here. Falcon is a cross-platform 3D graphics standard. So it's basically a standard library. Mm, I wonder why I haven't seen that. Probably because I'm not using Steam or, or whatever things actually use it. So... Yeah, so Vulcan drivers, uh, like NVIDIA has in Vulcan drivers, AMD has Vulcan driver support, so games that are specifically written for those devices. Um, but basically, a Vulcan is a cross-platform. Uh, yeah, let's see if I can find out the exact, exact information. <laughs> Sorry. Good thing truncate <laughs> silence is a thing. Yeah, we'll just, we'll just uh, get rid of all that. <laughs> All the stuff, but basically, yeah, it is a, uh, a an SDK uh, library of drivers and build tools that allow you to um, uh, do all kinds of stuff with uh, shaders, uh, graphics engines, whether that be like Unity, Goda, 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 Godot, or Godo. Do they say Godo? I don't know. CryEngine, um, uh, frameworks and helper libraries for uh, probably interfacing with other things like uh, GLFW. Well, GLFW. FW, that's everybody knows that, right? Oh, that's Minecraft. Minecraft is a GLFW interface. Uh, yeah, Vulcan Memory Allocator, uh, BGFX, uh, language bindings for you know programming other languages. Let's see what else they have here. There's a whole website. You can go to Vulcan.org and check it all out. <laughs> all kinds of tools, drivers, frameworks, engines, porting, everything else. Um, I know it's heavily used in, it's got to be heavily used in Proton because it fires up every time I launch a game in Steam. So, uh, but anyway, that's the last time I add a topic that I didn't research at all. (laughs) (laughs) Throw it out there because it's mentioned, uh, CL info is the same thing, but for OpenCL. So, ah, okay. But yeah, anyway, it's a cool little project, um, very lightweight to kind of look at all those things at once, especially if you're getting into gaming and looking at your video drivers or your video performance and what's going on with which driver version you actually have installed and selected and whether it's actually responding and reporting back properly, especially if you run into an issue where you launch the game and you get, you know, two FPS and 
you have this, you know, monster $500 video card or $1,000 video card in your system. All right. Well, maybe if I ever get a card, you know, a computer with a decent video card in it, this will be important to me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, quite possibly. <laughs> um, right now, I'm wishing my, my ancient iMac, you know, um, iMac had some actual computing power because it's still only 50% on the build. Um, oh, jeez. <laughs> Yeah, I'm getting to the point now. I'm like, you know, especially with redoing the shack stuff here, just kind of moving everything around. I'm like, I should really, really get rid of some of these older machines that I have in progress and in use, you know, especially even like the shack computer, the old Dell Precision, even though it's an i7, it's an old i7 and it's just sort of problematic. Oh, I'm like, oh, I should uh, should just use one of the spare gaming computers as that and call it good. Yeah, well, it's Black Friday in a couple of days. Maybe I'll buy myself a new computer. I don't know. Uh, all right. So so what I was going to talk about, if this build finished, which it didn't, <laughs> is um, I was digging around under my desk because I had dropped the door, the battery door off of one of my trackballs. <laughs> Under the desk. So I was rooting around under the desk, and while under there, amidst all of the you know cables, antenna wires, and everything else that was down there, I have found my RTL SDR it had fallen on the floor as well. <laughs> so I picked it up, plugged it back in, and tried to fire up SDR++, and it seg-faulted with a libRTE error. And I was like, huh, that's, that's curious. And so I tried using GQRX, which apparently accesses the same backend libraries, and it seg-faulted in the same exact way. So I was like, well, this is disappointing because I really wanted to fire up my RTL SDR and, and listen you know, for some stuff, and it wasn't working. This, by the way, is on Ubuntu 23.04, which is, what, Lunar Lobster or something like that? Um, sure. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> so I found a link to a GitHub um, page in the GQRX issue tracker, which identified this problem precisely. And I linked to that in the show notes, and I was hoping to actually get this thing to build so I could test it before the show. But as you've been hearing, the build is now at 54%, so it will not be done by the time the show ends. Uh, not even remotely close, the way things are going. So I'll have to report on that later. But if anyone else is having this particular issue with RTL SDRs or any other SDRs in Lunar Lobster, then the information and the link to the proposed fix will be in the show notes. And you can also find it, of course, on GitHub in the GQRX issue tracker. So hopefully something will come of this and I'll actually be able to use my SDR again, you know, in what, an hour and a half when the thing finishes building. But in the meantime, since we didn't really have any other topics in this section, I figured I'd throw that in. You got anything else you can riff on in this in the Linux in the Handshack segment? No, I, I did want to say I did uh, use uh, not one mm for uh, sweepstakes um, this past weekend for uh, the AWRL November sweepstakes single sideband edition, and it did work flawlessly. I did have it plugged in directly to my uh, my QRP rig, uh, the uh, IC seven hundred three plus. So yeah, the next the, the one with six meters in it too. Uh, and uh, nothing to do with the open source bits of it, but uh, I was working some fifteen and some ten, and I'm like, okay, well, I, I kind of worked through these on my S and P. Um, quite a bit of activity, and then I was like, oh, let me switch to twenty. You know, twenty was just booming, and I'm like, okay, hit the tune button, and I'm like, 
Uh, why am I having infinite SWRs on 20? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 15 and 10 were okay, and I was making contacts. And I'm like, uh, something is not right here. So anyway, I... I I, I I don't have a lot of time because I'm I'm busy at the theater. You know, we're doing a show and everything else like that. So I, I was like, oh, I'll just I'll come back to it later. So on Sunday I got back up and I was like, oh, well, I'll go I'll go try to put a few more contacts in there. And I worked to four, like one contact on forty when I woke up, and then you know maybe uh, switched again to twenty. And I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, something is wrong with that antenna because forty worked fine. Twenty, you know, fifteen and ten worked fine. Well, I could go out to my antenna. And apparently my wife's, you know, new, new dog or newer dog, we've had it for probably, I don't know, six months, seven, eight months now, had chewed all of my radios off of my antenna. (laughs) (laughs) Not not the coax, just went straight for the radials. The radials. Yeah. The coax looked okay. He did mess around with the, uh, there's a loading coil or a high Q, uh, not a loading coil, but like a, uh you know, dissipation, static dissipation coil uh, as well down there was kind of monkeyed with. So, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm not sure how that antenna likes not having any radials on 20, but apparently it doesn't like it. <laughs> the other bands didn't seem to be affected as much. I don't know what kind of uh, uh, signal I was putting out there. I mean, I got pretty good reports from those that were uh, working me. And especially with the QRP signal. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, apparently I got to put some radials out <laughs> in a non-tampering method for the, the new doggo uh, to not eat my radials. So, yeah, this is the first contest that the dog ate my radials. Yeah, sounds like fun. <laughs> I know <laughs> the, joy, the joy of dog, believe me. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Luckily, my antennas are, you know, they don't get to where they can chew on antennas. So, um, yeah. I might have to change all of mine for that, right? <laughs> Get them up in the air. I'm still looking at a, a Gap uh, Titan DX. I'm still thinking about getting one of those. So we'll see how that goes. Um, what was I, I was going to throw something in there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mentioned earlier in the Discord that I'm, I'm starting to look at FT4 now instead of FT8. Um, but one thing I've noticed is that very few people are using FT4. yeah you'll see it a lot on six meters but not on uh, hf but i will say that the the dxcc entities that are using ft4 are different i'm seeing a lot of stuff Mm. i don't see on ft8 so on the same bands that's interesting i mean i I am seeing some of the stuff repeated of course but there is some stuff that i have seen on ft4 or that i did see on ft4 today that i have not seen on ft8 so something to look at anyway and another another grid tracker map to fill up because it's a whole other mode. So, <laughs> yeah, still digital though. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, of course it is. So, all right. Well, I think that's it. Uh, we tried to fill as much time as we could. Still only two thirds done on the build. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it just won't finish. <laughs> yeah, it's just not going to finish. So, we'll move on to announcements and feedback. I did not have a chance to go look through any feedback. I have been through my email. I didn't see anything that stood out as feedback, so I don't believe we have received anything. But, of course, if I miss something, it will be in the next show, so don't worry about that. And if it's something that's time-sensitive, of course, we'll we'll answer it before the show happens. So, And then uh, there's a, a development in the Minecraft world, in the LHS Minecraft server world, and that's that apparently we've wound up on some lists of you know minecraft servers somewhere where nefarious people go you know the the dark webbers to um, infiltrate minecraft servers 
And lots of people have been showing up on the Minecraft server saying, hey, I found you on XX thing. And, you know, it's a good thing that I'm a good guy because I didn't like grief your server and, and take you down. And we're like, OK, well, great. So <laughs> uh, that being said, we've whitelisted the server, which means if you would like to join the server and we would like to have you join the server, you'll just have to give us your gamer tag ahead of time so we can put you in the whitelist. So you'll actually be able to connect. So right now it's kind of a closed system. But uh, all you have to do is say, I want to join. Tell us what your, you know, your Mojang user ID is, and we will whitelist you. So, and uh, yeah, we're all looking forward to 121 when we can autocraft. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least I am. So, so tired of making uh, dried, dried kelp bundles and, uh, and yeah. uh, what's the other thing? Like rockets. <laughs> uh, the rockets aren't terrible. You know? Well, dry kelp on is not terrible either, but I mean, it's a step that it would be nice not to have to do. Yeah, if you look at uh, Zoom Avoids, uh, he has been playing around with the autocrafter and trying to make the smallest, most minimalist uh, autocraft farm for uh, kelp, dried kelp. So it's a self-filling dried kelp farm. Nice. I'll definitely be looking at that because I'll be replicating it as soon as 121 is, is in my <laughs> Be little mitts. So. <laughs> so, yeah, he's done like, I think like two videos on it. Like one was the original, and then he started to kind of refine it a little bit, you know, kind of going at a. With the uh, with the things you can do now with the single straight line stuff like one block wide of uh, crafting and auto farm stuff so yeah it looks it looks pretty cool um, yeah I only see like a few things that I would like to have for auto crafting like you know for sure just the the big stuff like you know iron iron blocks from iron so we can turn back on the iron farm and have chests and chests filled with just iron blocks instead of uh, iron and then of course gold nuggets into gold bars and gold bars into gold blocks for the gold farm that would be tremendously helpful to have that out in the uh in the nether where we have that farm so yeah and here's a here's a little bit of quick minecraft trivia that i actually figured out on my own without looking up if you're building an item sorter yes then <clears throat> normally you would have to put a chest with four you know alternate items plus 41 of something in order to filter properly yeah in theory yeah yeah right but what if the thing is not a thing that is stacks of 64 what if it is for example stacks of 16 like ender pearls or honey bottles how many do you put and the answer is 10 so there you go <laughs> you had to find that out <laughs> <laughs> 10 for those and then for non-stackables you can't sort them <laughs> right <laughs> So there you go. All right. Well, that brings us down to the end of the show. And uh, I guess I'll let you read these this time around. Sure. Yeah. And and so, you know, like those uh, shorter stack items like, you know, pearls and stuff like the snowballs, they also go through the um, through the hopper slower. So sometimes in a transport system and an auto sorting system, they kind of miss their cue. <laughs> They'll fly over. So, uh, yeah, there's another oddity that apparently still exists inside of the game. That's anyway. I, yeah. have, I actually haven't had that happen because I'm using a sorter that's sorting. It's doing honey, and it's coming off my honey farm. So the first the first chest is for honeycomb. The second chest is for honey bottles. And the third chest is the overflow chest, which is for the empty bottles. Yeah. 
and it's sorted perfectly so far. So yeah, you should. Well, if you do a well, if you're making the items at a, such a faster rate, they won't keep up. That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's not that fast, obviously. So yeah, if you uh, let's say if you attached one to our our Enderman farm, you would have <laughs> a lot of stuff hitting the overflow. Because <laughs> <laughs> right, it would not be able to keep up, and this happens as as well when you do a a gold trading like a piglin trading farm where you spit all the items out into the overworld to uh, actually sort and and handle them through the nether portal. So (laughs) yeah, anyway. Uh, I wonder if it's like four times. I wonder if it's like four ticks versus one because it's uh, uh, for the stack. I wonder if that's... Could be. It could be. It's something to do with the timing and stuff like that. But anyway, let's get on to the new subscribers, new supporters, and live participants. And uh, we have no new subscribers or Patreons this month, uh, or this episode, sorry. Uh, Facebook, we have Harry Kitchen, Lonnie Walton, Greg Sanders, Patrick Gray, and 12 others, because Facebook rules. (laughs) (laughs) Over on X, we have uh, at Keith Bowie, uh, at V-E-U-2-T-U-M. Uh, at John underscore KT4KB. On Instagram, we have none. And on Mastodon, we have as well. We have uh, at VU2TUM and K8KET. If I, my eyes are not, yeah, it almost looked like a three for a second. <laughs> Over on YouTube, we have Ray Anderson, Brian at Evie, Adrian AC10, and John L316. On Discord, we had VU2TUM. Hey, he's here too. How about that? Uh, Punit. Uh, I'm going to assume that was semi-close. Uh, David, <laughs> K- KD5NDU. John, KT4KB. KE5WMA, Paul. And KK7NYE. Welcome to the Discord server. We have no new people on the mailing list. And in the live chat, we have Joel, KC0YEW. Tony, K4XSS. Ted, WA0EIR. And DJ I I A L N L E. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you for joining us tonight. And we all, yeah, okay. Yeah, I think that's everybody, right? That's everybody. I just wanted to look at the window real quick. <laughs> yeah, <maybe laughs> like like uh, popped in, like uh, some people do, like a VK player. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Aaron. A certain Australian that likes to pop in late. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah. And Punit. Probably something along those lines because uh, VU, Victor Uniform 2, that's uh, Indian call sign. So he's from India. Oh, okay. So, so I totally mispronounced it, I'm sure. Well, I have no idea. I'm guessing. But, <laughs> you know, I, I thought it would be Steve or something like that. <laughs> 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 E-U-N-E-I-T, pronounced Steve. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That was probably very insensitive, so I <laughs> apologies. Anyway, that brings us down to the end of the show. So thanks, everybody, for listening. We do appreciate it. If you're in the U.S. and you hear this by the time Thanksgiving rolls around, which probably won't, uh, we, hope you had a, we hope you have a good one or had a good one, depending on the time frame. And uh, in the meantime, we're still working on getting the house back together. And, you know, hopefully Cheryl will be on sooner than later. Certainly, hopefully before the end of 2023. And in the meantime, we thank you for listening. We thank you for your support. And we hope that you will join us for the next one, which is uh, a mere four days away at this point as of this recording. So hope to catch you then for our weekender. Should be a lot of fun. Post-Thanksgiving weekender. Uh, Could be a blast. Don't want to miss that one. 
And uh, have a great week, and we'll talk to you all soon. This has been episode number 523 of Linux in the Hamshack. For the absent, but hopefully soon back, Cheryl, W5MOO, I'm Russ, K5TUX. And I'm Bill, NE4RD73. Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke lhspodcast or by using the contribute list on the homepage. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. You can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at one nine zero nine. NHS show. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism.